Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dentists Who Invest podcast with myself, James Martin. We are joined here today by Bilal Ahmed of Heath Hill Green Accountancy Firm, and we are going to talk about something super important that we may or may not know about already, but if we don't, we should get up to date, we should get ourselves up to speed because it's changing, and it may mean that we're no longer allowed to work as a limited company, which as we know, is very lucrative and appealing for a lot of dentists. And that specific subject that I've been alluding to up to now is, of course, IR35. For those who don't know, I know that this sounds like it might be a bit of a dry one, but promise, I promise you guys, stick with us. This is super, super, super important and relevant to every single one of us. So, Bilal, welcome on the show. Thanks for having me, James. Tremendous, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on once again. So, Bilal, I know you've been on the podcast before, but there may still be some people out there who have yet to meet you. Can you just give us a little bit of a background about yourself so that we can understand who you are and how you help us dentists? So, my name's Bilal. I'm Chief Accountant at Heathfield Green. Um, we're a, a tech-focused accountancy practice where we, we focus all our time and attention on dentists, doctors, and anyone that's really NHS-adjacent. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. And Bilal and I were chatting off camera about IR35. And Bilal is a self-confessed connoisseur of IR35 and how it's changed and its ramifications over the years. So there's no one more competent that that I think it's possible that I could have found to speak about this particular subject. So super, super pumped to learn about this and what's changing. So Bilal, IR35, can you give us the short and sweet what it is and what it means for dentists right now. So in, in short, it governs the employment states of dentists. So it's whether you can work uh, as self-employed or limited company or you are employed. I think the general rule is if it sounds like a duck, walks like a duck, it's a duck and it's not an antelope for tax purposes. So it, you can't get the creamy, creamy goodness tax savings operating by a limited company if you're an employee. I see. Yes. So at present, most dentists, even though, hmm, I don't know whether it's a little bit naughty or not, maybe you'll be able to clear that one up. Lots of us can work as limited companies, even though, as you say, we walk like ducks, we talk like ducks, we look like employees. Would I be correct? I think, no, I think there's a bit more to that. Um, And again, one of the reasons why the practice was set up is dentists generally are one of very few industries out there where You've done your education, you've done your one year's foundation, foundation, your training year, and then you're almost automatically self-employed unless you go work for a corporate as an employee. So you will almost know straight away that there's a difference between when you finished your foundation year on the 31st of August when you became an associate, that you are treated differently. You're now taking on all these costs that you didn't that you, that you didn't know were going to come your way before. 
you're someone you're now paying your own tax bill you're not benefiting from all the other bits that the other employees did but really what IR35 sets the governor and it kicked in from the 1st of April this year uh, and it was broad stroke across everyone there's there's phraseology there's chapter 8 chapter 10 we're going to ignore all of that we're going to try and make it as straightforward as possible it says what does it mean to you, uh, anyone listening to this podcast what it fundamentally says is and um it, again it kicked in for everyone on the 1st of April this year and it's been in place for for a number of years but dentists have almost been put to one side, and there's there's quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of literature on this on the BDA's website. So it's you know your own governing body uh, talks about this in great detail. And HMRC and the government simply said we're not going to do anything with this until um, the first of April 2023. So we've got some breathing space. Right, I see. So the changes that we're going to speak about in just a moment, they've already been brought in, they've already been solidified and set in concrete but they don't actually apply until 23, 2023, you just said. Yeah. So so for all industries, everywhere else, it was the 1st of April this year, 2021. Ah, I see. And specifically for dentists, the government said, actually, you guys, you're over here, you're a separate category, and it applies 2023. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to come back to you. We need to do a bit more research. We need to work into how you guys work, how, look into how you guys work, and um, we'll, it'll be... It'll be full fat IR35 by that point. So really the purpose of this is let's get in the right shape. So either you know what's coming, you know why right now if your employer says, uh, or the, the practice you work with says you can't operate by a limited company, but at least you now know why. And even when you're out searching for jobs, it's to ask that question that says, if you're an associate that's, that's gonna, that knows they want to operate by a limited company, but then you've got practice A and practice B. Practice A says you cannot work with us as an limited company. Practice B says you can then that factors into your decision-making. Wow, excellent. Okay, super useful knowledge. So IR35 at present, what does it mean for us dentists? Because even though, yes, as you say, it, it first of April was when it changed for lots of industries. Before the 1st of April, 2021, it applied to dentists, and then it's continued to be in the same form since yes. April, this year for dentists. But my my question would be, For those out there who don't know, I'm asking this on behalf of the audience for the benefit of them. What did IR35 mean for us dentists prior prior to 2023, prior to before things are changing? So in all this time period that we're looking back upon now. So so right now it means nothing. As in, you can continue as you are. You don't have to make any changes right now. As you're paying your taxes, as as you're engaging your contracts with your principal, Right now, it doesn't mean anything. However, there are large corporates right now that will say you cannot work as an empty company because they make the assessment. So from an IR35 perspective, you can't say, like, if you if you were the principal and I was going to come work for you, James, it says, I say to you, James, I want to work as an empty company. You, you, you can say, no, we're a large corporate. We've, we've assessed our employees uh, or the people that work with us, and we've determined you're inside of IR35, which means you're captured by the rules, which means you can't then work as an empty company. I see, but that only virtually applies in the instance that they're a large corporate. Correct, because they're, they're making that assessment now ahead of time because there, there's a couple of tests that we have to follow. So the first is the assessment for IR35. And, and when we talk about IR35, we talk about inside IR35 and outside of IR35. IR outside of IR35 means it doesn't apply. Inside of IR35 means you then have to pay the associated taxes. Because let's, you're because when you're inside IR35, let's make that extra clear. You're determined to be an employee. Correct. Okay. Brilliant. So let's let's take a step back at this point and and talk about where it all came from and what it's actually there to do. So 
it, where, where it really kicked off and where it really took steam was people who were employees sat at the same desk, treated like employees, took holiday, sick pay, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then for tax purposes, said they, they were self-employed when they're really not. Now, um, if we use the most pertinent example of nurses, so nurses working within NHS trusts would get paid by either umbrella companies or as limited companies or self-employed. Now, a nurse can't come in and say, I'm not going to treat that patient. Um, I'm not going to carry out the orders that you've given me. I'm not going to do what you've asked. I'm going to, I'm, I'm an independent contractor. I'm going to impro- approach this in my own way. That, that then goes back to the, if it walks as a duck, talks as a duck, it's an employee. You know, a nurse in that regard was an employee, which is why if you look back at some of the, through the legislation, or, and if you Google any of this, nurses IR35, it'll give you a broader context as to where this has come from. So there's a couple of rules that we have, there's a couple of tests that we have to go through ahead of time that says, to test the employment status, that says, you as a dentist, do you get told what treatments you have to carry out? Do you get, are you told what patients you have to see? Are you told how to carry out the treatments, what materials to use and how you have to do it? Now, most associate dentists, the answer to that is all no, because you've made the clinical diagnosis, you've chosen the treatment plan, and you've chosen what materials to use to carry out that treatment plan. You've also made the distinction to, to, the, to the patient that says you could do this on NHS or you can do this on private. You know, if they want to, if they want a super white in, in, in indiscernible filling, then that's done generally private. If they want an NHS one, then it'll stick out like a sore thumb. So you've made that choice with, with the patient. Now, conversely, Let's say that was done over two appointments or uh, two, two, uh, yeah, two appointments. Appointment one, you come in, you do, you do the diagnosis and then you carry out treatment plan. Treatment plan is going to be carried out over appointment number two. Let's say appointment two comes around. You don't want to work that day for whatever reason. You send a super qualified dentist to go carry out your treatment plan. Ultimately, they're going to carry out their own assessment to see if the treatment plan you've set out is correct. Now, you can either at that point say filling's not the right right treatment there. We're gonna we're gonna pull it, and then you'll probably pull it if that's the right clinical diagnosis. But you, as my replacement, get to make that distinction. Now let's take all of that and wrap that into an employee. An employee would never be able to do that, would they? Oh, I see. And who does that impact specifically then, Bilal? So from a company's perspective, it, it's the size of the company um, who have then got to make the distinction on their employees. So if you're a company that makes over 10 million pounds or has more than 5 million pounds on your balance sheet or employs more than 50 employees, if you satisfy two of those tests, then you have to test all, all of your employees for their employment status. I see, I see, I see. Okay, brilliant. So now we've got a nice little synopsis of how IR35 presently impacts dentists and their working conditions. Is there anything more you'd like to chuck on top of that or happy to draw a line under that one, Bilal? So let's draw a line under that bit and then, well, I'm guessing you've got a few more questions for me. So, Absolutely. Well, the natural progression is what's changing and what do we need to think about going forwards? It's, it's a really good question. So what you need to think about is, is substantial, really. So if we talk about the large corporates at the moment and if anyone's worked with them and then left them to then go back to a smaller, a smaller independently owned practice, you understand why you would be governed inside of IF85. So things like, you know, they're KPI driven. You have to have this many bums in your seats that you convert to this much, this uh, this many uh, outcomes. You're governed by the types of materials you can use. And the, the, if you've made a clinical diagnosis that doesn't agree with their cost model, they might say, no, you can't do that. Find something else. So then that, that really muddies the waters on whether you're truly independent or not. And if we talk about the impact of this, it's it's purely a cash perspective that says, if, I, if, if you as an associate was earning about 50 grand a year, 
you're currently only paying 9% national insurance over both about eight and a half grand. And I, as the principal, as a practice owner, don't pay any national insurance on your behalf. But if I now have to employ you and you still want to earn that 50 grand, I now have to pay 13.8% on everything I pay you over eight and a half thousand pounds. So on a 50 grand salary, we're talking nearly five and a half grand. I think it's about 5.7K. Now, you as the employee now have gone from paying 9% national insurance to 12% national insurance. That's an additional 3% over and above about nine, nine and a half thousand pounds. So the, the, the national insurance you pay versus the, the national insurance the employee pays are at different thresholds. So now that's risen from 9% to, to 12%, so a 3% increase. And again, on about 50K, you're looking at about 1,200 quid. So your, your pocket's now been hit and your principal's pocket's now been hit. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Right, awesome. So that's how it will affect us should we now be defined to be within IR35. But what's changing going forwards in 2023 is that they're tightening, tightening up the rules as to who's in and who's out. I'm, I'm correct in saying that, right? So, so the, the, the rules by which someone's assessed isn't changing. It's just that dentists were put to one side. So it's, it, it was just that it was simply the rules won't change. How we assess you doesn't change. It's just dentists were put to one side. Right. So it's more that we need to be wary that this is going to change in future and also clear it up with our employers. That's the crux correct. of what we're saying. Awesome. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I think the, the I mean, actually the crux is a good word. Why we're even having this conversation was my wife sent me a screenshot on something someone posted on the Dentist to Invest for, uh, Facebook group was, this is coming, it's happening, it's a bit scaremongering. And I think the, the I'm grateful for, for this platform is, is to sort of quell those flames a little bit that says, it's not as scary as everyone thinks it is. Because like I said, we've got until the 1st of April, 2023, that says you've now got plenty of time to make sure your contracts are in line, um, making sure that you know how you treat your independent contractors is, is completely different to how you treat your employees. Um, having your contract set up in the right way, what implications that has ahead of time, speaking to specialists, legal providers who work in this space because they absolutely work in this space. I mean, this is, this is not a, a new thing. It might be a new thing on the dental radar, but in the wider corporate environment, it's been around for over a decade. That's awesome. You know what? I think it would be super helpful for us to do at this point, just to make it tremendously clear to anybody who's listening what they need to worry about. Let's look at it from the point of view of associates and let's look at it from the point of view of principal dentists and let's just distill precisely what you would advise each one of those parties going forwards, how they should take this into account. Let's go associates first. Cool. So from an associate perspective, it's very much, can I operate via a limited company? Now, so we discussed this to death in our previous podcast. It's not going to impact everybody um, because if you choose to stay within the pension scheme superannuation, you, you're by default self-employed anyway. 
So your, your employment test is still tested, but the impact to you is significantly lower than what it would have been if you were operating by a limited company. So from an associate's perspective, if you've created an entire business plan, a tax strategy based on your limited company, taking out, you know, you might be earning 150 grand a year, but you're only taking out 50K, you're using all this money to invest and, and diversify your portfolio. You need to think about that strategy that says, is the employer or is the practice I'm currently working for, will they fall inside of IR35? Do I now need to go find another job? Um, if you're a brand new associate going into the, the, the working environment for the, for the first time, it's really one of the considerations you have to make that says, A, if I fall inside of IR35, will I even be paid anywhere near what um, an associate down the road at an independent practice would be? Because the costs are significantly higher. So why is that? And there's things that you can do with your with your uh, principles now because the goal is to work together. Because I, as a I, as a principal, um, don't want to pay the additional national insurance, but I also don't want to be breaking the law that says if I have to, then I, I've either got to capture all the right people that I need to and make them aware of it ahead of time, or I work with my associates now to determine create those sort of physical walls that says you are not an employee. You do not come out on team nights out. You do not come out to these kinds of things. Now, from, from a brand new associate's perspective, associate's perspective, that's quite hard for me to say. That can be quite emotional that says, why am I being treated differently? But you have to have the distinction in place. So things like, you know, um, you can't come to Christmas parties. You can't you can't come to these kinds of things. These are, these are employee-only events. If you want to come as an independent contractor, you have to pay to attend um, because an employee wouldn't have to do that. So it's, it's having those, those distinctions in place. Now, that's from an associate's perspective. Um, and again, it only really implicates those that are uh, wanting, it really only implicates everyone that wants to work through a limited company or currently is working through a limited company because you'll be used to having far greater cash flow than, you, than you've uh, been used to. Because you're now going mean, to, if you're earning over 150K, then you're now going to be start getting taxed at 45% on anything over 150 grand. So your tax bills is going to rise considerably, but it's also going to impact your entire strategy, you know, your your investment strategy, your diversification strategy, or even your retirement strategy, it could make it, it could make a significant impact to all of this. Tremendous, yeah. I mean, that's an amazing summary of what we need to look out for as associates. And I think the thing that struck me the most when you were speaking, Bilal, was just how much this difference this makes in terms of national insurance contributions and how much this can affect negotiations between associates and employees, associates and employers. I beg your pardon. And what that will mean for their pay packet, absolutely. That's huge. That's a massive shaving of their earnings, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Associates, we have nailed. What about principal dentists and practice owners, et cetera? So let's start with, let's start with the, 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 the bit that everyone's interested in, cash. How does it impact my, my pocket? And again, using that £50,000 example that says, if you were paying an associate today £50,000, then you're now... You're, you're still going to have to pay them the same amount because you have to remain competitive in the marketplace. But by employing them at that sort of £50,000 rate, you, you now incur 13.8% national insurance on anything over eight and a half grand, which is, is about five and a half grand, which you now have got to build that into your business model. And that says, do you have, do you have adequate cash flow, cash flow? Are you charging the right amount to your patients? Are you able to renegotiate your NHS contract? Do you even stay NHS? Because is, is it even worth it facilitating it? And do you sort of pivot towards a more private practice? Because are you going to be able to attract the type of um, associates that you want that that will be able to earn you the kind of money that you become accustomed to? Um, 
and beyond all of that is is the attra- is the attraction and retention. You know, can you keep them, and will they will they stay with you? Because if you if you're a large corporate and there's sort of an independent principal down the road offering like like UDA value, is it even worth it for for the associate? So from a business perspective, can you can you can you re- attract, retain, and train the the employees at the level of employees that you want? And and really, does this business become viable for you going forward? Uh, I mean, if you if we're talking sort of ten associate practice on about fifty grand a year, that's an extra fifty thousand pounds worth of cost that you've got to pay for in essence um but all it's not all doom and gloom because you can now maybe adapt the way you work that says we we might not be as strict as we are we'll give our associates that bit of yarn that says they they fall they, they satisfy the rules because it's not straightforward that says just because you earn over 10 10 million pounds where you've got five million pound of assets or you've got more than 50 employees everyone's ir35 it's everyone's inside of ir35 it's not that there's some test that says right if you do satisfy those then you do now have to test all your employees. Now, before we go into that, there's a government tool that they've put out themselves. It's a CEST tool, so Check Employment Status Tool. Um, if you just Google it, uh, HMRC CEST, it'll take you to a, a sample question, about four or five questions, but which will give you your starting point that says, this will start coaching your, your mindset that says, you know, do I really need to do something? However, if you, if the even the tool says no, you're not, um, or you're outside of IF 35 don't take that verbatim because there are companies in other spaces that have used that as part of their evidence to say we're not, and they've gone, yeah, that's not enough. Even HMRC's own tool is not enough to satisfy you. So there are independent companies out there that you need to work with that will. It's, it's shocking, isn't it? It's mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah their, their their own tool wasn't enough to say yeah, they're outside of IF 35 but there are. There are law firms that work in this space. So if I was a principal that satisfied these rules, even if I wasn't, I wanted to make sure I'm on the right side of the rules, is you would now not need to start speaking to legal firms to start getting your contracts in, in order, get your contracts reviewed. Speak to your practice managers that says, if an associate turns up 10 minutes late and they're self-employed, you do not do return to work forms because they're not employees, they're independent contractors. Um, how you manage them is different. You know, they don't need to book time off sick. They need they they pretty much just need to let you know they're not going to be there um, as a courtesy. And if they they need to send a suitable replacement, look, as an independent contractor, if you've got a diary booked that day and the dentist says I'm not turning up, and it's cost you a grand to go get a locum in to go cover that that only made you five hundred quid, it's not unreasonable to say, well, you now owe me five hundred quid because you didn't turn up. So whether you exercise that right or not is different, but to have that clause in your contract is important. Because there should be an independent. If if you were a builder that worked on my on my house, for instance, you didn't turn up and you completely destroyed something, I would charge you for that. I think beyond this is the the question of liability. Now that says we're ready in the in the space of um, liability shifting more towards practices. But now, if you're an employee that works for for a practice and you do something that that brings in litigation, that for that litigation does generally fall back on the dentist on, on the practice then because you are an employee of the practice and then that, that opens you up to some litigation as well. Yes. Amazing. Yep. Thank you so much for summarizing that. So in essence, what you're saying is there needs to be 110% clarity going forwards, whether or not we have dentists working for us who are employees or self-employed. And for those principal dentists out there who are listening it's best off getting advice how you can foolproof yourself so that there's no confusion there going forwards because it completely changes the landscape from a legal point of view and from also a financial point of view of your relationship with your employees. 
So if if we bring in some um some case some case studies from the big wide world out there. So what's quite pertinent right now, Amazon. So Amazon drivers are all generally self-employed. However, they're now unionizing to to sort of coin a phrase, or not coin a phrase, but to to it's not actually unionizing, but they're banding together to bring it uh, bring bring some um clarity. Clarity, yeah, I can't get my, can't get my words out. <laughs> so that it's almost a class action. So they're coming to they're all coming together to to go to Amazon to say, well, we're we're actually employees. You we can't determine how many parcels we take out. You tell us how long we have to work. Um, if we don't work, we get fired, uh, and all these bits and pieces that go along with it. Now, what the wider casework is saying here is, if if Amazon is found to be within IR thirty five, and these people should have been employees. They will have to pay them ten thousand pounds in back pay per year that they they work with the company. But Amazon, you know, being the size of the company they are, they will have had their contracts completely looked over, and I'm guessing they're going to be okay on the back of this. Because if you look at it from the dual perspective, that says if you don't take what you take out, we just won't call you again. That says if you as an independent supplier, I need you to go. It's like it's like your gas supplier. You want your gas supplier to supply you gas. If they say, mm, well, I don't fancy supplying it Tuesday, I'm not gonna, I'm not really gonna give it to you on Wednesday afternoon, I'm not gonna give it Saturday morning, you'll just go find another supplier. So it's not as it's not as black and white that says, well, as an as an independent contractor, I can turn down work. Well, yeah, you can, but I won't call you back in again. Um, so there's two sides to that coin. So you're incentivized to work as hard as possible, but then you get the tax benefits. So and and sort of stepping back and looking at a, a case that exists, if anyone wants to look, I think it's Pimlico Plumbers. Um, where in London they were deemed to be inside of IR35. The reason why they were deemed to be inside of IR35 was they satisfied all the rules, but the, the one rule they fell down on was the right to substitution. So the right to substitution says you can have any qualified dentist with an active, active GDC registration come in and cover your day because they're trained, they're qualified, they've got the adequate insurances in place. Where the, the plumbers fell down on this was they could only get a plumber within the, their network of plumbers so it wasn't an absolute right of substitution. It was a right of substitution to an extent. And that's what they fell down on. Now, if you look at the logistics industry, so you've got Hermes, DPD, Yodel, Amazon, DHL, FedEx, the majority of their workforce are self-employed. These are independent contractors that work as either limited companies, are VAT registered, or self-employed, again, VAT registered. So it's not a case of all it's all doom and gloom. It's a case of making sure you work with the right legal team ahead of time to make sure you satisfy rules. I mean, I mean, DPD, for instance, has something like 15,000 drivers. And over Christmas, they'll probably have close to 20,000 drivers. And they're, they're actually employed, their actual employed base is, is probably a tenth of that. Well, not even a tenth of that. It's probably about 5% of that. So how, how are companies of this size still on the right side of the rules? You just nailed the whole essence of this podcast in that one sentence when you said just making sure that you're working with the right legal team so that there's clarity. That is the essence of this podcast. So... I think we've hit the nail on the head. Good stuff. Oh, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Bilal, thank you so much for that and thank you so much for giving up your time today. Bilal, there will no doubt be people listening to this who think to themselves, actually, maybe Bilal could help me on the front of IR35 or from an accountancy point of view. How might someone reach out to you? Should they be interested in doing that? So the website, which I keep saying is being built, it is still being built, but there's a contact form on there. So that's www.ethelgreen.co.uk. We're on socials, so we're on Facebook, which is uh, at Heathfield Green. We're on Instagram, again, at Heathfield Green. 
we find the contact through Instagram works best because that's where most people find us. Uh, there's a link in the bio that allows you to put t- time in the diary to have a conversation. We are working with specialist legal firms at the moment that will give you a more detailed assessment for our 35 purposes, which we'll put you in touch with. Uh, and again, I mean, I make this point to everyone, we're objective. And again, we're massively incentivized for you not to change your employment status because we go out of business. So we want you to go work with these legal firms to make sure you're in the right place at the right time. We don't get anything from that. We just want to make sure that you've been pointed in the right direction. From, from an associate's perspective, you can do an IR35 test, which will be underwritten by that company that says, if you're later found to be inside of IR35, anything that comes back to you will be covered by them. So that... Or of course, yeah. there is of course, contact you via the group, Dentist Invest, Bilal Ahmed. That's the other way, of course. Awesome. Cool. Correct. Nice one. Thank you so much for that, Bilal. We're going to draw a line under proceedings today. Thank you for that wonderful podcast. It's been a pleasure, as usual, to chat to you. I hope you have a tremendous day, my friend. Thank you. You too. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.